Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Conf T with URSE. I am your host, Brian Young. As always, I'm jo- joined by my co-host, Mr. Tom Porto. How are you, sir? Brian, it's a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. How it's are mu- you? You know, it's it's much better than uh, the last couple days. I, I mean, I actually had to find my hoodie yesterday because not so much it was too cold outside. Like, I've got my natural insulation, uh, but we were, of course, going to the hockey rink, and I'm like, yeah, I, I better better wear my hoodie. But... Um, Oh, it was cold. It's, it was it was it was cold and dreary. I'm I'm glad yeah, that we it's went, it's nice. We went we went camping. Well, I say camping. We we, we rented a townhouse in the Adirondacks this weekend, and uh, <laughs> lamping. Yeah, yeah. We, we were looking, you know, looking at the weather, and it's gonna be like 45 degrees and rainy. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Well, my girls have already grown out of like their winter clothing. Yep. So is anyone gonna be selling sweatshirts <laughs> at this point? So. Yeah. Quick run to Old Navy. Old Navy always always has sweatshirts for some reason. Doesn't matter what time of year. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was useful to spend that money on sweatshirts in yep. you know June, almost June. <laughs> hey, speaking of spending money you weren't expecting, I got a good one for you. So my wife punctured her front tire like last week, and it was in the middle of the tire. I was able to plug it up, no problem. Cool. All right, you know, twenty bucks for the kit, done. Over the weekend, we puncture the rear tire, same side. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And of course, now it's in the sidewall. So I've got to get a new tire. And of course, when you get one tire, you have to get a second tire. So that was how I spent my Saturday. I spent about an hour at Pet Boys getting two tires on the minivan. Yeah. While my car you, is still in the shop. Still in the say, shop. You, you in cars, man. Dude, I'm not. I'm like two months now. I'm just, I'm done. Done with cars. All right. So enough about us. We have Two great guests here that are patiently waiting and trying not to laugh. I see Sean really are trying hard not to burst out laughing here. Sean, we'll start with you. How you doing, Sean? Good, good, and, and yeah, not not quite laughing. Just just enjoying how you guys are setting the table here for the for the tone of the podcast. Uh, hey, yeah, we, man, are, nice we are we are professionals. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Sean, and uh, as the topic I eventually will be discussed today, I work on DNA spaces as a, a product adoption specialist. So really nice to be here. Nice, nice. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Sean. And uh, we also have Jake. How you doing, Jake? Doing well, doing well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you uh, what you do here at Cisco? Yeah, so I'm a product sales specialist, and uh, so work with customers every day on how DNA Spaces, which we'll talk much more about, can help fit location use cases that they're looking to solve for, and uh, work have the privilege of working with Sean on having customers find the most value out of it as well so nice nice you say that now you weren't saying that earlier but that's uh that's we'll (laughs) say that for the b side so um i don't know who wants to start but i mean dna space is relatively new name but not necessarily a new product right and it's it's kind of an evolution of things so kind of want to start with what the history of dna spaces uh is and you know maybe some other names that people might recognize but like oh yes that's what this is now uh, so I don't know, Jake or Sean, which of, which of you want to take that? I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in. So DNA Spaces is probably about two and a half years old by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you mentioned, it is kind of a longstanding evolution. So location, at, as it stands, is, is not something new to Cisco. It goes back to the MSE days or Mobility Services Engine. And then that had kind of morphed into CMX, Connected Mobile Experiences. In parallel, there was also an offering that was called CMX Engage. And, you know, I I think one thing that's apparent is the confusing naming standards also is not new. 
uh, CMX Engage was a different product altogether than CMX. Um, I think the kind of common similarities between them were all taking infrastructure and the data that's coming from it to to try to solve for use cases beyond connectivity. And so the issues, and I think this is an industry-wide issue that had been existent, was they were all kind of fragmented in all different silos of products. And so even apart from CMX, there was operational insights, there was BLE manager and a handful of others. There were all kind of their own niche product. Um, there were gaps between some, there were overlaps with others, different licensing, different support models. And so it was coming up on, on three years ago, exactly, that Cisco made an acquisition of a co- company called July Systems. And the whole charter of that acquisition was to unify everything location onto one cloud platform. And so to really clean up Cisco's story internally, which would then in turn allow our customers to maximize the value out of the infrastructure that they're purchasing and to do so at scale. And that's, you know, one term that Sean and I probably say a hundred times a day when we're talking with customers is the, the scale capabilities that DNA Spaces now allows for uh, compared to the predecessor products. And um, all while kind of really focusing in on business outcomes to be delivered on that. So apart from the speeds and feeds and connectivity, but now what else can Cisco infrastructure do to solve for some of these issues that our customers are facing? Nice. Yeah, no, because I've I've dabbled with CMX in the past, um, thought it was a really powerful tool. Um, there's a bit of uh, tracking and, and engagement uh, insights in built into Meraki, which we'll talk about that later. But the idea here of using your existing infrastructure to offer information, insights beyond and even interactivity engagement with those with those customers, uh, depending on what the use case is. Um, beyond just the infrastructure th- that it re- that it that it already gives already, right? In terms of connectivity and and speeds and feeds, as you said, really just makes sense, right? We've already got the access points there; they're already throughout the location. I actually just had a conversation with my customer last week talking about the same thing. Like, hey, you've you've got the access points everywhere. You've already gone through site surveys. You understand where they need to be. Let's put them to use. Let's make use of the additional functionality there, whether it's Bluetooth low energy or just regular Wi-Fi and just and, and add to it and you know get more value out of the infrastructure. So no, that's that's cool. Um, Sean, anything to add there? Yeah, I, I think the the majority of time the and so I, I commit at it from a slightly different angle than than Jake. Um, because a lot of time the, the folks that, that I'm working with our customers have access to, to DNA spaces C, um, as part of their, their DNA bundle, um, you know, generally the, the DNA advantage bundle. And so a lot of times customers are really, really surprised and excited to see that they actually have access to this functionality, um, you know, that may have not been the, the kind of a linchpin of their, of their DNA bundle purchase. Um, to see that, hey, you know, we can start to access a lot of this location data, uh, start to have access to some of these analytics tools that then they, they're able to get a lot of value in. So I think sometimes we do kind of get that off factor as well um, from folks who may have not realized that they have access to this technology right off the bat. Nice. 
And what, what would that look like? I mean, what is that kind of, you know, give, can you give me an example? Like what was one thing that a customer kind of came to you and was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know I had this and, and what use case did it fill that they didn't even realize? Yeah. So I think, I think the, the big one, you know, as, as we're living here um, in the, in the middle of 2021 it is always going to be um, dealing with the, dealing with the coronavirus. Um, right. How do we, how do we work on getting our, our customers, our employees, whoever it might be, um, back back in the office, back in the place of business, and and doing so safely and effectively. Um, so so making sure that there aren't spaces that have too many people in them, too many clients in them at once. Thus, you know, you're not able to social distance. Uh, being able to monitor that pretty pretty passively um, in a way that's not taxing on resources, it's not taxing on any kind of operations manager, facilities manager, where they're, you know, sitting there like a doorman, um, you know, with the little clicker, like you do at the club, counting people in, counting people out. Yep. Uh, we're able to, to monitor that all from one place. And like Jake mentioned at scale uh, to where now I have one place to monitor this across my five, six, seven places of business, uh, wherever they're at geographically as well. Sean, were you a bouncer at one point? You, you seem to have yeah. the... <laughs> well, if you guys haven't seen me in person, but my build really permits being a bouncer <laughs> as I'm as I'm packing on the LBs in, in my later age. Uh, but yeah, but I've been known to, to toss around a, a drunk man or two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember, you know, just going in and out of stores, right? Uh, being able to, you know, having to wait in line, like at a Target or Home Depot, and there's someone with the iPad and they're looking at that number. They're waiting for someone on the other end to, you know, hit the number down so that they can allow occupancy. Obviously that's a, you know, huge, you know, huge retail store. They're just worried about the number of people in the entire store. But what's funny is when you were talking about that, I was thinking about to pivot this, how WebEx has been doing this for a while with the video endpoints. We've been able, we've been able to do people tracking for a while as part of speaker tracking, right? Where we would move, physically move the camera to point at the person that was talking. So being, and then of course, when we did that, frame it up so that the person sitting next to them wouldn't just get cut in half by the frame. They would also be framed in as well. So it would look more natural. Um, The technology behind that was tracking faces, tracking people, tracking bodies. And, you know, just, just to kind of look at the, another, you know, the same problem from a different angle from occupancy standpoint inside conference rooms, it was a very simple ad and just being able to change that, you know, that's that uh, display into like a digital sign that said, Hey, the capacity for this room is nine. You've got eight people in here, you know, and two more people walk in. Hey, this this room is is overoccupied. Please disperse. <laughs> you know, like something along those lines. So, it's it's funny how we we found another use case out of out of a, a di- completely different product to be able to do kind of a very similar thing in that very exact scenario. Right? Obviously, it's not going to be looking at the entrance to a retail store and doing that. Um, but the idea is still the same and it's, it's interesting how, uh, you know, COVID has brought on that extra innovation that we needed to solve these problems that came at us. Tom, mm-hmm. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add or ask there. Yeah. I, I was actually just going to say the same thing that, um, you know, I, I kind of was following the, the DNA spaces, you know, roadmap and announcements like kind of shortly after COVID, you know, hit and started affecting everything. And it was very interesting to see how quickly, you know, that that team was able to pivot and say, hey, well, hey, look, this is you know, this is what our product can really do and help people get back to work. And one of the ones that stuck out in my mind was especially 
you know, as, as the government, everyone kept coming up with ways to, you know, mitigate and just kind of figure out how to deal with this whole thing. Like contact tracing, right, became uh, the next big thing. And I know we announced, hey, look, this is a great way to keep track of, you know, who come in contact, you know, who's coming in contact with who, depending on how you've got DNA spaces set up. I thought that was really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously something we still offer, you know, for people who are trying to get back to work today. Yeah, no, good, good point. And I, I find it interesting. It's it's funny because I remember when I was looking at CMX, right, and um, looking at what we can do with it as far as uh, in the use case I was looking at, it was it was my church, right? We were, I said, hey, listen, I may have a way here to be able to count the number of people that come in without you having to. I'm like, and I was asking, how do you, how do you take attendance now? Like, how do you get an idea on the number of people in in the church? And they were telling me it's usually just someone at the back of the room that's just sitting there. Okay, one, two, three. And that's, you know, that's tedious. So I said, listen, I can I can do this with our wireless infrastructure. And not only can I tell you how many people are there, but I can tell you what percentage of them are people that have been there before, what percentage of them have never been here before. And, you know, if we if they connect to the wireless network and they go through the Facebook page and stuff like that, now I can start to add some demographic information so you can get an idea, you know, what your your percentages are, right? And, you know, it was an intriguing idea, but it was funny because it was around the same time that I was exploring that, Apple and Android were both coming out with ways to basically, the way that these work is they look at the MAC addresses. And if you never join the network, you know, that's fine. They still see the MAC address of, of pinging the SSID, but they they will track that and get an idea. Okay, I've seen you before. You know, you were here last time. You hung out for like an hour, but, you know, you were here a week ago, et cetera. And what Apple and Android were doing was if you didn't join the network, it would just throw out a bogus MAC address so that every time you went back there, it was it was different. I was like, I wonder how how do you like how do you combat privacy and and then the other the other aspect of it, like what we can actually do. And it's I think it's I think it's a problem that the tech industry faces in, in general, right? Same thing with third party cookies and ad tracking, right? You know, I, I I go and I look up a product, like I was looking up some rollerblades for my son. And then afterwards, for about a month, every single site I went to had the advertisement for those rollerblades. And I'm just like, you know, I, I don't need that ad tracking telling me, you know, hey, you want to look at these again? You sure you want to look at these again? Or what's worse, after I buy it, I'm still getting ads for it afterwards. But the only way for them to be able to know, hey, I don't need to waste money on ads for this guy because he already bought it, would mean more tracking. Like they'd have to know, oh, it was this guy that bought it. So I, I don't need to spend money on him. I'm going to, you know, let someone else take that that ad space. It's, it's, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but I, I think it's, I think it's interesting the, the kind of trade off between the, the benefits that you get from this type of tracking and, and technology and personalization, just, you know, with ads, but the trade off you get with privacy. So I, I don't right. know if you guys have anything you want to add to that one. Yeah. But. I think, I think it's interesting to the, the, the kind of point that you brought up with your, with your church as well, because I think that there are times when I'll, I'll meet with a customer or even someone who's worked with Jake in the past and they'll say, Hey, you know, this is a problem that we're actively looking to solve. Uh, this is something that, that has been impacting our business. We need to get people back in the office. We need to get customers back in the office um, or we need to, you know, uh, deploy a, a contact tracing solution, whatever it might be. Um, and on the flip side, there are some people that thought to themselves like, man, I didn't even know that this kind of a, a thing existed. And and, and maybe it's not something that we're going to look at deploying this week or, or next week, but it's awesome to know that, you know, we can with almost like a flip of a switch, I'd say that, you know, 
40 minutes or so, uh, you can actually get this thing up and running and, and start seeing um, some useful data porn. And so I think timing is a big component of it as well. But like I said, the, the fact that folks know that they have this at their fingertips um, is a big value add for them. Did, did, did I hear you right? Did you call it data porn? Or did you say data pouring in? Because I, I, I swear I heard data pouring. Uh, whatever, whatever floats your boat, Brian. I, I don't I, know. I don't know. What. I think, I, think oh. I heard it. Too. I heard it too. But okay, I was like, he said data porn, right? Okay, that's fine. I, yeah, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> it depends how much you like data, I guess, Brian. Hey, I mean, it's whatever. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I did say data pouring in. Okay. Sorry for that. All Maybe right. slurred a little bit. All right there. Jake, I don't know how you how you top that one. Yeah, tough, <laughs> tough coming back from that. I think a, a couple things just and you brought up a lot of good points there. Um, you know, in, in talking through the church example and kind of how the need for this data has evolved, right? And so going back probably it's probably like five or six years ago or so, the overall statement was made by a chief marketing officer of a a big sporting goods store that we were working with. And they said, we know more about the people at home on our website than we do when they walk into our store. And I think that same principle applies even like for employees and in an office building or students on a university um, healthcare really across all different verticals is that the behavior within four walls really became that of a ghost. And that's where then Cisco infrastructure comes in and so much data and so much, so many different breadcrumbs on how that space is being utilized can be gleaned and can be understood. Now you bring up the question about privacy. I think that's where it now gets to how is the data handled? How is it secured? There are regulations country by country in terms of how that data must be transferred and secured. Um, So many protocols in there. Um, and then that's also where, again, the scale piece of this comes up. One of the major advantages I think that Cisco and DNA Spaces has is that we're deployed over a million and a half access points that are on DNA Spaces today. And so it's not some boutique niche vendor that was spun up overnight because of COVID. And now we're trying to figure out how to handle all of this absolutely critical data on employees and how many people are on a floor, but it's a a platform that is built to ingest this data the right way with the right security and privacy in mind. Um, And then, you know, that's everything we can control from the product perspective and we can work with, with our customers on how that fits into their policies and their processes as well. But we can instill the confidence that the data is secured and and, uh, handled the way it needs to be. No, that's that's great. I mean, and and that's what it boils down to, right? Like the average consumer, I think, doesn't necessarily dive that deep and be like, well, it's okay if you track me as long as the information is, you know, housed in, in you know, redundant data centers only in the U.S., blah, 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 right? Um, but at the same time, that is, those are, those are the requirements that an IT team, you know, need. And, it, you know, and the entire organization is going to rely on, right? Because it, it'll tarnish their reputation if, that information gets out, right? I think there's, I think there's a um, <clears throat> kind of a, I don't want to say coming to Jesus moment because I don't think that translates in all the countries that this that this uh, broadcasts in. But I think that there's definitely a coming to realization moment where, like, the general public is realizing that there there's a lot of information that they are putting out there, 
whether it's surfing the internet, walking by stores, whatever. But I think they feel almost slighted because they don't know about it kind of thing. I, I don't know. It's 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 always a weird conversation when you talk about privacy because you get additional benefits by having that information available to, you know, the Googles, the Cisco's, the whoever, right? You you get additional information and, and uh, personalization if you're if you're exposing that information. Uh, but the at the end of the day, it's the it's the vendor's responsibility to keep that information private, keep it protected. And that's where, of course, because we have that entire solution, you know, it's just a, a, a cloud SaaS solution, right? All those all those protections and rights are there. Who just wanted to come and say hi there, uh, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> that's the first. Yeah, I, tried, I, tried, I tried to move, move him away from the camera, but yeah, that's my cat, Mojo. He wanted to say what's up. Hey, Mojo. For those who have not discovered yet that we're on YouTube, you may want to join us on YouTube now. Um, yeah, just a little plug there, but yeah, normally this is an like, audio only like, podcast, comment, and subscribe, please. Yes. Like, comment, <laughs> and then subscribe. I tell you, I should get my son to do that. He, yeah, every time he records anything, he's like, welcome to my video. Please like comment and subscribe. I'm like, dude, you're not even uploading this to YouTube. What are you doing? <laughs> Anyways. All right. Off, off the train here, but let's, that's fine. So yeah, I can, if, if you want, if you want to get uh, cat lovers to subscribe, you know, we can have a little segment toward hey, the end. They, with they say that's it. a, that's a great marketing thing, right? I mean, they, they say it's, it's all about, you know, cats. So I think we just, you know, that's it. Perfect. hundred, so episode 100, 40, subscribers. episode 47. It's all about cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that in the subtitle for anyone who even, I don't even know where those are. Anyway. Um, People tracking, we've really kind of discussed, I think, at length. Um, before we move on to the next piece, is there anything either of you guys want to add to that? Uh, nothing nothing off the top we, of my head, yeah. It. Okay. All right. Just want to give you guys the opportunity. So the other piece that we can do besides people tracking with their personal devices or with a little BLE badge here, which, again, for those on, on the YouTube channel, you're going you're gonna to like this. So this is a, a BLE token. This is also, this could be used for asset tracking too, but this is uh, a little BLE token that gets stuck onto a badge here. Um, this is used in conjunction with the access points and DNA spaces for tracking. And so let's go into the asset tracking piece of this, right? right? So people tracking with their personal devices, asset tracking with something like a BLE token, um, something you know a little bit more powerful, more robust, more environmentally... Uh, uh, able to handle environmental conditions. But if we want to track, let's say we're in manufacturing, we want to track um, boxes or, or a forklift, right? We want to know where certain things are at a certain time on the floor. We can do that with asset tracking within DNA spaces. So, um, Jake, I'm going to throw you to the lions here. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So I think it's everything that we had just talked about with people, now, it's the same thing translated into what we call things as well. So people and things. And how can we leverage Cisco infrastructure that's in place to deliver outcomes beyond connectivity? Now, in a manufacturing space, or we could say in a healthcare space, um, you know, many needs to know where items are that can't connect to the network. And so really, the framework that we've built and the problem that we're solving with this framework is that previously to do something like asset tracking or environmental monitoring or machine condition monitoring, um, it would be built out in a, a siloed stack. So you want one use case, you're going to deploy some proprietary overlay network, another cable run, 
You're going to have one vendor's gateways that will only speak to that vendor's BLE devices or BLE tags. And that gateway and those devices will only speak to that vendor's application. So something that works at maybe one floor, two floors, one building, two buildings, but difficult and costly to deploy across an entire organization. Because again, you're doing cable runs and deploying a completely overlay network. And then to our customers who are in IT, now a lot of times they'll be handed something on their plate that says, we know we need this deployed, we need it monitored and managed. And so now our customers are deploying an IT or a wireless network and now an overlay and two places to manage, two places to monitor. And that's for one use case. Now roll out something else of utilization or wayfinding or uh, staff safety. And you can multiply out those stacks pretty quickly. And so what DNA Spaces has done and to solve that is we already have uh, a wireless infrastructure that's ubiquitous in their space, right? And so how about we use that infrastructure as a gateway, a dynamic gateway that can now manage and configure all different kinds of third-party devices, tags, sensors, beacons, wristbands, badges that will fulfill different kinds of use cases, anything from location to temperature to vibration, uh, you name it, you know, based off of the specific vertical employee tracking and or visitor tracking in a, a carpeted workspace. But all of those now can be managed and configured and onboarded through the infrastructure that's already in place. And now, regardless of what vendor device that is down here on the bottom row, that's going to be able to speak to any application that integrates with DNA spaces. And so it really opens up now a many-to-many -many framework, gives our customers more flexibility with what use cases they deploy and how they deploy them, and very importantly, how quickly they can deploy them, because now they don't need to go the proprietary stack route. And, you know, I think that that's something that now also consolidates down for, they only have one pane of glass to monitor all these different endpoints and the integrations to go to different applications, which really then lowers their total cost of ownership and speeds up their time to value. So right. it's, it's something, you know, we I think it's so easy to talk about location and the value that comes from it with people, but things is, is just as important and really solving for a costly issue that many of our customers face across many different verticals. Yeah, no, those are, those are very good use cases. I mean, you know, whether it's a EKG machine or, or a, a big expensive, uh, box of gold, I, you know, I don't know, whatever, right. It's, it's being able to know, where it is. And also, if I correct me if I'm wrong here, but you can also set up boundaries. So you can say, hey, this this device or this person, right? Wh whatever it is, this this uh asset, uh this this uh I can't think of the word, it's not token, uh, but this thing cannot go outside of these boundaries. And if it does, generate an alert, right? So that's great for if you have actually I have, I have one customer, they're a chemical manufacturing. And we've we they're, they've been customer I've been talking with a lot about this, you know when they have visitors come over when we go over to visit them, we got to read through like eight pages of documentation on where the exits are and the rally points and everything, and you know we have to sign a bunch of stuff and and it's it's taken very very seriously. It's a chemical manufacturing facility. They could possibly have an issue where there is an explosion or you know whatever, right? So. 
they take safety very seriously, <clears throat> as most, if not all, manufacturing facilities do. But, you know, when there's a visitor coming in, right, a person that's not trained, a uh, person that's not allowed to be in certain areas, being able to, you know, as you, you pointed out to wayfinding, being able to, to show them, hey, this is how you get from A to B. And then also alert when they fall outside of that that path or if they're in an area that they're not supposed to be in, that the the appropriate people get an alert and they're able to to uh, to take care of it. On the flip side of that, in the event of an emergency, being able to go into that dashboard and make sure that all those visitors are accounted for and that they're no longer in the building, right? That's that's another piece too that that I've been talking with that customer about. Um, Sean, I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add. Yeah, I think as far as the the asset tracking piece goes, I think really one of the one of the key words and kind of the you know the buzzwords is productivity, um, and that you know you know we can use healthcare as an example, where if they need if a if a healthcare facility they need to locate an IV drip and they're not using any kind of asset tracking, they may have hundreds of IV drips floating around a, a ten story hospital with ton of different rooms, ton of different areas. If they have no way to track exactly where that is, you know, they might ask their colleague, hey, where's an IV drip? I don't know where it is. Uh, they might ask the doctor, where's that? I don't know where it is. And so you can imagine right. that the gains in productivity, efficiency, and then, you know, not to not to take it too far, um, but, you know, patient experience and, and really outcomes as far as healthcare is concerned yeah. and being able to go grab a vital piece of equipment, locate a bed. Um, you know, like Jake was mentioned, monitor the temperature, humidity of, of any kind of different medications or a room where medication is stored um, and, and ultimately an enhancing experience. And, and like I said, making sure that folks are getting the treatment that, that they want and they sign up for. Um, so those gains in productivity. And then, you know, you talk in like manufacturing, like you were mentioning, Brian, with a forklift. I talk with customers where they might have forklifts over, a, you know, hundreds or thousands of square foot factory. And it might take them um, two hours to locate a forklift, two hours to locate a vital piece of equipment. But if you multiply yeah. that by 30 guys at their 10 locations, you know, how does that add up in terms of productivity gains and, and you know, bottom line revenue? Um, so that's that's some of the things that we kind of try to speak to and extrapolate out when you talk right. about actual outcomes that you can drive using some of this technology. <laughs> I'm just reminded of a story. My my brother is very gullible, and his his first job he was uh, working at the a local like place that does like weddings and events and all that, right? And he's he's working there, and one of the guys sends him to go look for the cans of blue smoke. <laughs> He was uh, he was gone for an hour, and trying to locate the cans of blue smoke, and then also they they got him again. They asked him to get the the keys for the hand truck. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, talk about lost productivity there. But uh, I don't I don't think you can you can you can't fix stupid. I've got a sign here that says that says that somewhere. But um, but again, being as you said, being able to find something that actually does exist that that is vital, uh, being able to locate that quickly is is important. Tom, yeah, uh, like, save like right me now. I'm Okay. I'm looking to get a I'm looking to get a BLE <laughs> tag for for the remote in my house because oh my. you know I'm I'm losing hours yes. of productivity looking for and that. You don't remote. have kids. You don't have kids. <laughs> it gets worse when you have kids. All right? Because we all have the same brand <clears throat> TV, so the remote works no matter where like you go in the room and it works, right? But then of course, I'm looking for the remote. My son brought it into his room to use on his TV. I'm like, "Where's the remote?" And everyone's asleep, so I'm not going to wake anyone up to uh, yeah. No, I I I'm I'm with you there. I'm about to do the same thing. Uh, Tom, anything you want to add there? No, no, you guys covered it quite well. <laughs> the only other thing I, I would uh, 
I would say that I, I know I had a customer who was was looking, you know, heavily into DNA spaces, um, and was really interested in in specifically the partnership and relationship we have with uh, Stanley Healthcare. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to talk to that a little bit and how that how that kind of enhances and and you know takes advantage of the kind of middleman that we act as you know uh, for that that infrastructure. Um, so I don't know who wants to take that, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that. So I think Stanley and going, this can kind of talk through the the evolution as well from MSE and CMX into DNA Spaces. Uh, obviously, a, a huge player in healthcare. Anything from asset tracking, environmental monitoring, to patient or uh, staff safety, um, even tracking newborn babies and making sure that they're safe and that they're where they need to be. And you know, kind of hitting again on the benefits of moving to a unified cloud platform for these location use cases. Previously on MSE or CMX, our customers would have been pretty limited in terms of their upgrade capabilities. So if they wanted to upgrade their controller or upgrade their access points, it would need to go kind of follow through Stanley's certification and, uh, you know, their matrix on what they support. Um, it, CMX and MSE just being on-prem appliances were a little bit more scale-bound and limited there. And, um, and there was also no real monitoring and visibility of when that integration were to drop. Now, fast forward to where we are with DNA Spaces now, having worked very, very closely with Stanley to really optimize that integration so that now they're standardizing on DNA Spaces. doesn't matter what version of controller you're running or what version of code, what model access points you have, but DNA Spaces is going to abstract out all the nuances of those different versions. And so Stanley can just take one stream of data from DNA Spaces our customers can now manage their network as they need to. And then also the scale that comes with that. So DNA spaces can, can probably track anywhere from three and a half to five X, the number of devices that MSC or CMX previously would have been tapped out on. And then there's also, you know, like monthly reboots and, and different advantages that come there, but also very proactive monitoring and alerting that goes into that integration. So now if an integration with a, a customer Stanley deployment drops, now Cisco's DevOps is notified, Stanley's notified, and the customer's notified. So rather than waiting a few hours for the customer or a practitioner to realize that they can't find where a, a critical asset is, uh, now that's going to be caught much sooner and the issue will be resolved much quicker based off of the intelligence with from the data that's going to the cloud. And I think you know Stanley being one of our closest partners that same framework applies to all of the different partners in, across our app center, our ecosystem that we've built there, which are very verticalized and very focused partners that will bring in advanced use cases beyond just what us as, as the middleware would deliver. So, you know, that gets into space occupancy, real estate, facilities management, uh, wayfinding, navigation, um, all different kinds of, of vendors there that we work with closely on that, that data output. Nice. So a lot of integration points with third parties using APIs. I know there's the the Firehose API as well. We got that one customer working together with uh, that project right now. Um, but yeah, so the, the idea here is that not only have we expanded the capacity of how many devices we can track and, 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 and whatnot, but now also going back to the theme of playing well with others, right? 
Um, the integration points with third parties, APIs, uh, there's, I might've, might've been you, but there was one person I was talking to where they're like, Cisco does not come out with a new product now, unless it has APIs there. It, it has to be full-fledged API integration. Here's the points. Here's all the information so that we can integrate you know, other vendors and can, can find ways to integrate the information they get out of that uh, to better their product or to better ours, whatever. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's really good to see that. Really cool to see that. <clears throat> and I'll just add one more piece to that because I think it's important. So with that Firehose API that we have, we, we've talked a lot about wireless and you know how that can that data be exported out through API. And if we had this conversation a year and a half, two years ago, that's where the conversation would have stopped. But our Firehose API now is also multi-sourced. So it's going to include data from wireless, from BLE, from PIR sensors, from Meraki video cameras, from WebEx video endpoints and conference rooms. And so we're all this data now from, or now even also as of the last couple of weeks from uh, wired sensors that are supported with our 93 and 9,400 switches. So, so many different types of data that's coming into these different sources now are included in one API out. And so think about what that does, not just for our partners that we're integrating with, because now they only need one stream to ingest and they can rapidly roll out new use cases. But then now also our customers, again, goes back to one pane of glass to, to manage and to deploy and to monitor any integration that they have set up across multiple different stacks of, of data and infrastructure. So rather than managing five different API streams for your cameras and your WebEx endpoints and your wireless and BLE and your wired senses sensors, now it's just one going through DNA spaces, allowing that to really be standardized. So it's a, a huge wow. call there. That, that is yeah, impressive. I, I, sorry, to, just to jump in here, I think the probably the, the the easiest way to explain it um, is that it's it's very similar in in that of like an iPhone, and that you have the iPhone being your platform, DNA Spaces is that same similar platform. Where now, if I'm on my iPhone and I want to download my social media, I go to the App Store and download my Instagram. If I want to go on there and download my Candy Crush, I go to the App Store, I got my games. Um, and so same thing with DNA Spaces, you can dive into that partner App Store, and then that's the way that you're downloading those different partner applications, adding adding the different use cases and, and driving the outcomes. Uh, so DNA spaces is that kind of one centralized place, that single pane of glass like Jake was mentioning. Uh, but the the ways that you can use it, the the outcomes are, are pretty limitless um, as far as just jumping in that app store. And, and again, being that one centralized place where now you're using that same infrastructure, um, same centralized location, same pane of glass to monitor all of these different items and different outcomes. That is very cool. And I, I like the analogy there. That's great. Um, so, yeah, lots of integration points here. Um, like everything that we discuss in all of our shows um, and all in all the episodes here, I would highly recommend that if you want to learn more, reach out to your account team. Uh, hopefully you get the opportunity to work with uh, Jake or Sean here to, to see maybe a demo of it and dive deeper. But really, when you see it, I mean, it's it's an okay topic to discuss, you know, over, over a podcast, but of course the visuals there that you'll see with a demo, um, you know, are, are, are really, that's where the, that's where the proof is. Um, 
So last thing I want to touch on here is infrastructure. I know we've we've touched on a lot of things already with Meraki, Cisco. Um, you know, it's got the name, the letters DNA in it. So, you know, do we require DNA center? Do we need prime? You know, what, how big or how, sm- or, or how small can, can someone be to get started with DNA spaces? How much, how much do they need? Yeah. So, so I can take this one. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty, pretty dang easy to get started. Um, so the only requirement from an infrastructure perspective is that the person is running controller code 8.0 or above. Um, and, and with that being said, any, any of our access points are going to be compatible on that front. Um, and so beyond the kind of flipping the switch of the infrastructure side of things, uh, to get the most functionality of it out of it, you need to be able to import some maps as well. Uh, so you had a call out earlier, do we need DNA center? Uh, generally, maps are going to be imported from either Cisco Prime or Cisco DNA center. Um, and from there, we're able to use the maps with the APs accurately placed on them to kind of you know triangulate location, uh, for lack of a better okay. term. Um, so you're going to need, of course, you know, the infrastructure and you're going to need to be able to pull in some maps. Uh, but one thing I, I do want to call out is that the, the setup process is, is pretty dang simple. I think when, when people hear Cisco products and maybe they hear the three letters DNA, they think, oh, you know, we're in for a, a three, four week overhaul here, all hands on deck type scenario. Uh, but it's really anything but. Um, so I've seen folks that have turned on the entire thing in 15 minutes. You know, sometimes you need to address some firewall rules, some firewall issues. Uh, but generally, you can you can pretty much snap to it um, and start getting value out of the program sooner than later. Nice. I like those easy One buttons. Piece I'll just add, add to that, too. So it is kind of a good, better, best, right? So if you have Cisco infrastructure 8.0 or above, you can get some meaningful data that, that will mm-hmm. be useful for understanding your space. If you have maps from either Prime or DNA Center, that's going to make the data a little bit more useful and some of the other capabilities. Now getting into a best or crawl, walk, run, however you want to phrase it, with the new Catalyst 9800 and 9100 access points, that's where we can do all of the different IoT type use cases. And so there is the requirement there. But um, you know, there's going as far back as, as 8.0, you can start to make sense of, of certain pieces of the location data nice any integration points with meraki or yeah absolutely and so um you know we work closely with them and and are continuing to do so and so to you know work towards complete feature parity across meraki infrastructure and, and catalyst side but um you know most of of major use cases we can deploy on meraki as well nice as as we said already, um, you know, reach out to your account team. This is something that you'd you'd like to learn more about. Um, I mean, there's there's probably a use case that that we can fill, right? Obviously, regular you know standard corporate office locations are not going to be worried so much about the same thing that retail use cases would be would be worried about. But especially with the occupancy uh, requirements that you may be facing uh, in in your neck of the woods. Um, it's definitely something that you could utilize and from the sounds of it, and I've seen this happen too, spin up pretty quickly, right? If, if you're just looking to get a count of people, you're not really necessarily worried about location or, or hyper location, right? Um, just getting a count of people, you know, dwell time, stuff like that, you know, that's, that's, that's an easy thing to stand up. 
Um, as we start, as, as, uh, Jake and Sean mentioned, as you start adding those features, you're going to want uh, a little bit more, but, uh, still there's definitely, definitely a use case that I'm sure that, um, that would be fitting for our, most of our customers that could look into this. So, um, <clears throat> with that, I think that was all the, the topics we wanted to, to discuss. Uh, I had one more thing. Go ahead. If you don't mind, no, because um, it's actually well, it came up on a, on a on another conversation I've had with a customer, and you know, customers may be thinking this question too. Um, is you know, going into let's say you know, I'm a customer doing another you know, a new wireless refresh, or or you know, I'm switching to Cisco, and I I want to do things right this time, and we're going to get a site survey. Do site surveys vary when you're starting to add location services versus just a standard wireless deployment? It does, yeah. So it's, it's going to change the density of access points, where the access points are placed, um, how many of them are, how far apart they are from each other. You know, for and there's uh, kind of how we look at it is there's wireless deployment for coverage and then there's wireless mm-hmm. deployments for location. Right. And, um, you know, that's where we have documentation and guides as well that can help with some of the best practices there. And, you know, trying to, to position the access points around the outer edges of the buildings and in a honeycomb shape rather than a straight linear line. And so absolutely it does matter. Um, it's not prohibitive if they do just have wireless for coverage. And I think that that is the vast majority of, of our customers. And there's still lots of value and, and significant data that can come from that. But it, it would just tweak that level of accuracy on where a device might be so it's um you know it it comes down to the requirements and the use cases that our our customers have but not prohibitive at all by any means yeah so so my recommendation certainly for you know any customers who are interested in this and who are are going through you know some kind of refresh um you know and and if even if you're working with a partner a lot of our partners are going to be you know cognizant of that and you say hey i'm looking to do location services you know when they do that site survey then they can tailor um, you know, that specific site survey to, to be, uh, to get you the most out of your, you know, your location services deployment. So, right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good call Tom, because especially if you're, if you're talking, you know, co- coverage versus location data is, is a big piece, right. And, uh, that'll change all again too. I'm sure when, uh, Wi-Fi 6E and, and seven come out and we start introducing the six gigahertz, ba- uh, spectrum to Wi-Fi and yeah. <laughs> Just buy more access points, people. Just just buy more. You'll need, you'll need them. You'll need them. You'll you'll use them somewhere. I promise. <laughs> All right. Um, thank thanks for that, Tom. And uh, guys, what we like to do is at the end, we just like to kind of go around and uh, ask if you have any uh, final final thoughts or closing arguments. So, Jake, I'll start with you. No, I think you covered it. You know, reach out if there are other questions or asks. And I think even one more from a demo is standing it up in your own environment and seeing your own data and your own buildings and and the data that's coming through there. That's going to be much more impactful than seeing it on a slide or a dummy account that that Sean or I can show. Um, But, you know, happy to have those conversations and and help get up and running as well so that they can see the the power of it for themselves. I appreciate that. Um, And Sean, you or uh, Mojo have anything uh, anything to add? (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think just one call out, like like Jake mentioned, um, is that we we are here to to support our customers, you know, in their activation adoption journey. So you know, part of my role is as customers decide that they want to onboard DNA Spaces, start to utilize some of the technology, get those location analytics going. Um, I work directly with customers, and I we also have a technical onboarding team uh, that can kind of coach you through the process, can assist if there's any technical troubleshooting needed. Uh, so I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, they're not going to be handed the product and and said deal with it. We've got a team over here of specialists uh, that are going to be with you along the way and and have your success in mind. I can personally vouch for that because I'm seeing it right now when we ran into some some trouble, like right as you as would be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the support team has been has been phenomenal. So yes, that I can personally vouch for that. There's a lot of support that will uh, that will be there along the way for the for the demo. There is Mojo. Here's our here's our guy. He's not he's not too happy. I think it's past it's past lunchtime for him. So oh boy, he's gonna have something that, to say. That was that was the thumbnail. That was the thumbnail to the video right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think there's no other better note to end on than that. So uh, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Sean, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to ConfT or watching ConfT with URSC. Uh, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all those uh, fun social media things that I'm getting too old to remember now. And um, we'll join us here for our next episode. Not sure what the topic's going to be on yet, but it'll be another good one. So thanks again. Be safe out there and don't forget to save that config. Mm-hmm.